Hello, Mountain. It's good to see everybody. Hey, you know, we found a way to, we've been having some overcrowding going on. We figured out a way to solve that, apparently. Just drop it down into that single-digit category, and we got all kind of room to keep growing, so awesome. I guess you are the hardy folks who um, love Jesus just a little bit more than the other people. Glad you're here. Welcome. My name is Ben. If you're a guest, we're super glad you're here. Uh, hey, happy Valentine's Day. I heard about these two spiders had a great Valentine's Day together. They, apparently they met on the web. And uh, there, you can use that. Don't, don't groan. Come on. That's good stuff right there. So we're wrapping up now this series called The Struggle is Real. The Struggle is Real, that hashtag that we use to describe these whiny first world problems that we have no business complaining about, right? The Struggle is Real. But it's a good little opener for us. Um, to, to get to the real truth of the matter, which is that, man, we all really do have struggles, don't we? I mean, real struggles. Right? The person next to you has some real stuff going on. There are burdens and there are stresses, and we carry this stuff around. A lot of us carried stuff from 14 right into 15, and we just said, you know, what if God was going to do a new thing and teach us how to think about life and our struggles in a whole new way this year? So to do that, we're turning to an old friend back in the middle of the Bible because it belongs in the middle of our lives, and I'm talking about Psalm 23. We've been kind of rolling through this thing, this kind of pretty familiar to a lot of people part of the Bible, and what it's showing us is that not only is the struggle real, but the shepherd is real too. The shepherd is more real than the struggle, and it's introducing us all over again to a God who really knows what's going on in your life, who cares about what stresses you out, and who is a good and faithful shepherd to us. I love Psalm 23. No, it's beautiful because Psalm 23 is so simple. You know, a little child can memorize it and understand it and picture themselves as a sheep and a God as our shepherd, right? But it's also so rich and deep, you can dive into it for a lifetime and never hit the bottom of what's there, you know? There's so much there. Psalm 23. And it's appropriate, you know, that we maybe uh, hear it one more time. We've been reciting it kind of or saying it together each week. I thought, you know what? When you're in the middle of a struggle, it looms large in your life. When you're going through something big, it dominates your thoughts. It's big. And you need a shepherd who's big too because we feel sometimes like a little tiny child or a little baby sheep in the middle of a struggle, don't we? So how appropriate that today, maybe, instead of us saying it together, we bring one of God's precious little sheeps out to do it. So will you please welcome my friend, Casey. Casey, come on, Casey. She's going to help us with Psalm 23 today. Here she comes. All right, Casey, are you ready to roll? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Miss Casey, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Even though I walk through the darkest valleys, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Nailed it. 
Nailed it. Well done. Hey, would you do me a favor? Would you, can I get a picture with you? Would you just shoot just real quick here? I don't have a long enough arm just to get Casey and me. Smile big. Take, take a couple. Oh, yeah, hey, sorry. Bear with me, will you? I don't know what that's doing. Where's that? Oh, okay. Can I borrow someone's phone? This thing just shut down. Who's got a real phone? Come on, hurry up. Hurry up. Somebody bring me a phone. All right, take a picture. The struggle is so real. Come on now. Keep smiling, though. Okay. All right, here we go. Smile big. He's smiling. Thank you. Okay, high five. See ya, see ya. Awesome. Give it up for Casey. There we go. All right. You know, you're, uh, too bad she's not cute, right? Mm. You're a little sheep, too, and you have a great big shepherd. What a great reminder for us as we wrap this thing up. Let's do a little review as we, um, we kind of come to the end of this. So we anchor some of the ideas that maybe we've heard. Maybe you missed a week. Uh, go back and catch it online. We'll try to review it right now. We start out by saying, you know what? The Lord is my shepherd. We talk about that word Lord, which means he's the boss of me, which means I'm going to trust him and follow him and do what he says. But the Lord can't be your shepherd until the shepherd is your Lord. Right. Hello. You all there? Okay. So it's a big, it's really important. And if he, the shepherd is our Lord, then he's large and in charge. And that means I don't have to carry all the burdens of my life by myself. I can, as the Bible says, cast my cares on him. For he cares for me. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. So you can stop talking to yourself. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Start talking to the shepherd. Shepherd, I, God, I need you to do what only you can do. The Lord is my shepherd. Then we said, I shall not want which is a reminder that we really will have everything we need. God will provide for us, which means I can stop gazing at the greener grass somewhere else and start grazing, right? Enjoying the blessing and the benefit of my life and who I am and what I have got right where I am. And then Rob reminded us that it's important that in the weariness and hassle of life, we get refreshed at a soul level. And God will help us do that. It's important to build in rhythms that honor God and give us rest and refreshment into our life that make room for God. When we're always in a constant state of hurry, we cannot hear the voice of God. So we build in these rhythms before He makes us lie down in a green pasture somewhere. And then He leads me in right paths, which teaches us as sheep to surrender all of our decisions and submit our dilemmas to God so He can lead us in the right path because as sheep man we can't see very far we need a shepherd and we got to stay close to the shepherd and then last week Luke reminded us that sometimes you know we find ourselves in a dark place in life in a valley of doubt or fear or even death itself and the shepherd is in the valley too and he's not empty-handed he's got He's got his rod and his staff to comfort and guide us. And so today we come now to verse 6, which is the climax of this song. This is a song, right? And, and we come down to the climax. Some songs, like I remember back in the 70s, songs used to end by just kind of trailing off and fading off, you know? Not so much anymore. Not this song. This song builds to a sort of great big finish. 
like picture someone on The Voice or singing the Star Spangled Banner or, you know, or, or at, the, at the ball game and you're like, good grief, she's got a voice, she's belting it out. Oh, key change, is she going to go for the high note? And she does and nails it. That's verse 6 of this. It builds, it builds, it builds and there's a crescendo and you can hear the timpanis and the orchestra kicks in and it's whoa, 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 the choir is there and all of a sudden it's like God's been the shepherd, he's done this, he's done that, he'll provide, he'll protect, he'll guide, he'll correct and blah, 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 come down to verse 6 and all of a sudden, and surely... Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And all the sheep go, bah! And it's like, yay, hallelujah, glory, amen. Okay, that's the end of the song. It's right there, and there we've landed at it today. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So let's... um. Let's dig in a little bit, unpack, pull out some of those words so we can maybe figure out what it's supposed to mean for you, for me, in real life. First, let me point out that this whole thing is talking about the future, okay? All the days of my life. That's the rest of your life until you croak. And then I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's what, ha- that's what can happen after you croak if you're one of God's sheep. So let's talk about the future. And the future, honestly, that's where a lot of our struggle is, right? Think about the future. That's where our worry and our stress lives because there's so many things we don't know about the future. We're not omniscient. We don't, we don't know. That's, you will never be able to look in a crystal ball and see your future. So that worries us sometimes. You'll never see a headline that says, Psychic wins the lottery. Won't happen because nobody knows the future. And not only do we not know it, we can't control it. We're not omnipotent. We don't have any control or power to influence too much about our future. That's why, you know, the newspaper ad said, there will be no meeting of the local psychics and clairvoyance group due to unforeseen circumstances. (laughs) See, it's the unforeseen circumstances of our lives that concern us, right? It's the unforeseen part of our future. What's going to happen to this relationship that I'm in right now? I don't know. Where will this job go? How will my grades go in school? Will I get accepted? Will I be able to go to college? Will the Vikings ever beat the Ravens again? All those big questions, see? Future, will I marry someday? Will I be happily married in 10 years? Will I have enough money to put the kids through college? Will my parents' health stay strong? What happens if it doesn't? Will my job give me the ax? Will I get transferred? What, what kind of you know, savings, am I going to need? Will my kids turn out decent or dull? What kind of statistic might I become? Will I come home one day and discover that my house is on fire? Will I get hit by a car? Will I get struck by lightning? Will I, I don't know, will I be one who gets cancer or gets exposed for some terrible thing? Will terrorists strike closer to home again? Will America, as we know it, be here for our grandchildren? These are questions. If we work on it, we can really lather ourselves up about quite a bit of worry about the future. And Psalm 23, verse 6 especially, is about that. All the days of your life and the rest of your life after that. And it starts with a promise, goodness and mercy will follow you. See, the the thing is, we really do worry and stress because we think, boy, times are really bad right now and maybe they're as bad as they've ever been. Listen to how one person describes as you look around with the fear of terrorism and the rumors of war and everything going on discouragement about politics fighting in the streets right darkness in our own hearts it's easy to say man things are bad 
Anybody ever feel that? And, and maybe the future is going to be even worse. Listen to how one social commentator describes the state of affairs. The nation is worn out. Administration and protection have broken down. Thieves make every street unsafe at night. Trade is diminished. Investments stand still. Property values fall. People have lost their economic footing and their moral stability. Citizens have seen their savings consumed in taxes and inflation. We have multiplying divorces, abortions, and loss of life's value. Kind of a depressing picture, isn't it? The struggle is real. So no wonder we're worried about the future. Oh, by the way, what I just read was actually written by a historian. Um, It was written about the time Jesus was born. It was talking about ancient Rome. But it sounds kind of the same, doesn't it? See, that is the world into which Jesus came. Our world. A world where people worry and have real struggles, even about the future. And it's interesting that Jesus comes and he says, man... I am the good shepherd. You all are like, you look like sheep harassed and helpless, worried. You need a sheep. You need a shepherd. And then he says, I am the good shepherd. And I love what he says in Luke 12. He says, so fear not, little flock. Anybody need that word today? Fear not, little flock. Fear not. Let's talk about some of these words. Jesus was maybe thinking of Psalm 23 when he said, fear not, little flock. So let's talk about some of the words of Psalm 23 that can help us. Goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Now, goodness is a word to me. It seems like kind of a mamby-pamby word. It's kind of a weak word, like a word you'd see on a package of cookies or something. Goodness in every morsel, you know, or something like that. But in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, goodness is a robust, strong, pregnant word full of meaning. Goodness is a kind of shorthand way of referring to all of the benefits and blessings of God's presence as His shepherd-like care provides and protects and guides and corrects in our life. That's the goodness of God. It's huge. Goodness is, is this sense of everything God is and His benefits in our life. And as a sheep... In his pasture, under his care, smart sheep go, man, I love it here. This is a good gig. I'm not going anywhere. I got a lot of goodness coming to me right here. Goodness is going to follow you. Goodness means that with God in your life, you get what you don't deserve sometimes. You get stuff you don't even deserve, but it just keeps coming. And it follows you all the days of your life. Goodness is not only the blessings of the shepherd, it speaks of all the favors and blessings of being in his pasture here through this creation on earth that God gave us. The beauty of the earth. The Bible says all good gifts, all goodness come from the Father of lights above. Think about it. Every sunset and every sunrise. The ocean surf, a loving embrace, a grandchild on a lap, laughing with a friend eating a fresh raspberry, those are all, those are, that's the goodness of God, y'all. The, the, a breathtaking view of the Grand Canyon, look up at the scars at night or you see the moon and it kind of takes your breath away for a second and the countless ways that he provides and protects and guides and corrects, all of this that comes to us without our asking or knowing, it just comes and flows into our life along with all the other things the shepherd does for us. Sometimes the goodness of God comes and you don't even deserve it but it follows you around. 
all the days of your life. And the mercy, mercy is another good, strong Hebrew word. In Hebrew, it's the word chesed. You've got to spit a little when you say it. Chesed. It means the loving, faithfulness, the kindness of God as he pours that into our life as well. Because, you know what? Mercy is grace. And the Bible makes it clear that all of us are like sheep in that we've all gone astray, each to our own way. We have. You have and I have. But instead of punishing us according to our sins, God intervenes and sends His own Son, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And so mercy happens when you don't get what you do deserve. Check that out. Goodness is the heart of God because He's faithful and good to us. Mercy is the heart of God when we're unfaithful. He's still good to us. Goodness is when you get what you don't deserve, and that's a real good thing. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve, and that's a real good thing as well. So fear not, little flock, because coming up behind you are these twins, goodness and mercy, all the days of your life. You just keep making the Lord your shepherd and the shepherd your Lord, and they'll be there. And don't forget. It's easy to forget about the goodness and mercy of God, isn't it? Sometimes we get a kind of thankful heart and we're clear, but other times we forget, we go off, take it for granted. I love Psalm 103, verse 2. It says, don't forget now. Remember, don't forget the Lord and His benefits and all the blessings. Kind of keep reminding yourself. Tie a string around your finger, whatever you need to do, post it pad. But don't forget and list all these benefits. He heals my body. He rescues me from hell. He surrounds me with loving kindness. That's how said. He, he, he fills me with good things. He doesn't bear grudges against me. You know, all of that stuff. Don't, and how long, does that, how long can I expect this to keep going on all the days of your life? That's what, that's what the Bible means in Hebrews 13 when it says, I will never leave or forsake you. Jesus is the good shepherd who says, I'm with you always. Matthew 28, I'll be with you even to the end of the age. So not only I'll be with you to the end of your life, but beyond it. Goodness and mercy. That's just not what God does. That's who God is. And it follows you. And I, I hope you get this. I hope you get it, because there's a lot of people that don't get it. You can easily tell when people get this, when they understand that God keeps pouring goodness and mercy in their life that they don't deserve, and they don't get things they do deserve, and they don't get things that they, you know what I'm saying? And when all that comes, if you get it, it changes who you are. Everybody leaves a wake behind them of some kind in life. And you look at the wake, you can, I can tell you whether they get this or not. And I promise you this, everyone around you in your life, they know whether you get it or not, because they, they live in the wake. People live in your wake. If you get this, it changes everything about how you live. You know, some people, a lot of people, they live with a kind of negative, pessimistic view of things. They say, yeah, look, I mean, cause, cause why not? Because bad things happen in our lives. Well, of course, yeah. We do have struggles. The struggle is real. And there's stress that builds. And it's things that make us sad and mad and sting and ache and leave us reeling and confused. Yes. And you can tend to focus on those bad things if you want to. And then, even though there's a thousand good things that come along, evidence of God pouring goodness and mercy and love into your life, one bad thing happens, and we choose to focus on that and make it our worldview and look at that through the lens, and we leave a wake that just feels the same way, and we get cynical and complain and can't understand why our lives are so miserable. 
It's like that cynical bumper sticker. I, I won't say it exactly, but you probably know the one I mean. It pretty well could be summed up. Basically says, stuff happens. Yep, just life's full of bad stuff. May as well accept it. Wait for the next bad thing to happen. Friend, stuff happens is a mindset of a person who doesn't know the good shepherd. It's a person who has no set of, set of expectancy, no vision for the countless daily evidences of God pouring mercy and grace into your life constantly surrounding you. I want to see a bumper sticker that says, grace happens. That's the miracle that anything happens good on this sin-infested planet to, street, to sheep like us that have gone astray. That there's so much good and grace and goodness and mercy that follows around. That's the miracle. Why is it that we can have a thousand gorgeous sunsets and sunrises in a row and, and, and a beautiful array of breathtaking star-filled nights, but if it rains on the afternoon of your parade, all of a sudden we're like, well, life just stinks. Stuff happens, doesn't it? That's the way life is. We can drive 40,000 miles in safety, guarded by God's invisible protective hand, but we get a flat tire on the way to work one day, and it's like, well, that's par for the course. Always happens to me. Life, stuff happens. I'm going to get a bumper sticker. <laughs> we can have good health for 50 weeks in a row. Eat some bad food one day at a back, and get some bacteria virus, makes us sick overnight, and we're like, oh, bad luck follows me around. Apparently oblivious to the miracle happening at the cellular level in your body every stinking second of your life. We go up and down the stairs a thousand times without thinking about it, but trip on the top step one time, and it's like, oh, this is my life. Oh. Give me a bumper sticker. Stuff happens. And Psalm 23 says, you know what? I'm not that kind of sheep. Mm -mm. No, no. I'm smart enough to know what I've got. I can't see the future, but I know this. Grace happens. Grace happens. Goodness and mercy is following me all the days of my life. Open your eyes. Listen, everybody chooses one of these bumper stickers to live by. Everybody does. And I promise you this. Everyone around you knows which one you've chosen to this point. You can choose whichever one you want right now. Whether you're going to say, oh, the glass is half empty, or you're going to say, my cup overflows with the goodness and mercy of God. You choose. Now let's look at that word surely. Surely, goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. Surely, surely. Does anyone else, <laughs> is anyone else having trouble getting past that word? Does anyone else remember that stupid movie Airplane from a while back, right? Remember that line, right? Okay, I can't totally endorse that film, but I can endorse this clip. Watch quickly. Okay, watch quickly. The stewardess said... Both pilots. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. And there you go. That's awesome. <laughs> Can you fly this plane? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And together, don't call me Shirley. God says in, in this passage right here, go ahead, call me Shirley. Call me Shirley because surely of a certainty, you can be assured, you can be absolutely confident, surely this goodness and mercy is going to follow you. Even if you can't see it, you can be sure. You can be sure. Even when you're hurting, when you're tired, when you're looking for the path and you can't find it, and you're saying, lead me, okay? But I, I can't, even when the valley is dark, you know, surely, even then, 
the goodness and mercy of God are still at work in your life. Do you feel that way? Do you have that kind of assurance and confidence in the shepherd no matter what comes? Pretty important question. See, it's easy when everything's going great, right? When the family is fit and fun and well-fed, right? Finances are rolling in. Friends are fond of you. It's easy to high-five the shepherd and say, hey, look at all the goodness and mercy on me. But what happens when your body breaks down? What then? What do you say when someone you love dearly is lying there in pain? Maybe dying by degrees. What's your response when the job starts folding up under you? When the bills in your hand don't match the dollars in your hand? What, what is your attitude then toward the shepherd? When there's an embarrassment or hurt in your family that stings so deep, it's killing you. When your kids start flunking or failing. When people you had hoped were friends prove false to you. What then? See, this is more than a promise verse. It's, a, it's like a question or a test maybe for you and for me. Shepherd wants to know, you trust me? When you can't see goodness and mercy in your life, do you trust the shepherd or do you just sing this part of the psalm on sunny days? Easy times. What kind of faith do you have in the shepherd? See, this is where our faith gets real, folks, right? We get past all the little songs we sing and the words we say. It's like it gets real. When the struggle is real, that's when it matters that your faith is real. When you're hurting, do you turn away from God or toward him? Scripture says, man, when the struggle is most real, that's when this little word matters the most. And that's when you want to know, surely, the goodness and mercy of God are right there following me all the days of my life. I don't care if I can't see it. I don't care what's going on in my marriage, my kids, my family, my job, my work, whatever I know, whatever it is, God is at work right where you are with his unstoppable, undeniable character of goodness and mercy, his Hesed love, his goodness. It doesn't say maybe. It doesn't say maybe, you know, there's a good chance or knowing God, he might come through. It says surely the goodness mercy of God. You know, a lot of us, we're like, talk to people all the time. They're like, well, I get it. Surely goodness and mercy will follow someone else around and be in their life because they're probably good sheep, but I'm the straying kind. I'm probably not the faithful kind of sheep that that verse has in mind. Listen, this verse isn't talking about your ability to be a good enough sheep so that God might choose to bless you with his goodness and mercy. It's about not your faithfulness, but the faithfulness of the shepherd. And that's why goodness and mercy can follow you. Look at that passage, I love it, in 2 Timothy that says, even if we are faithless, he's faithful. Isn't that good to know? When you're faithless, God's faithful, which is why goodness and mercy will follow straying sheep like us all the days of our lives. You can take that to the bank. Underline it in your Bible. Highlight it in your little phone app. If you can get yours to work. <laughs> there is no scenario in life, no set of circumstances, no trouble, no tragedy, no problem, no future struggle where God will not follow you with his character of goodness and mercy. 
So on the good days, thank God for his goodness. On the bad days, thank him for his mercy. In every season of life, say, thank God I have a shepherd like that. How about this word, follow, follows me. Surely, goodness and mercy will, what's the word? Follow me. Now, this is another word, you know, honestly, it's kind of weak the way it comes out on an English translation. I want to take you to the Hebrew for a second just because it's, it's, it's so important. You know what that word, it, follow sounds like a kind of weak word, sort of a passive word, like some old guy in white shoes at the mall following his wife about 10 paces behind. Here comes old goodness with mercy in tow, lollygagging up behind us. It's not what the word means, folks. The word follow is a strong word that actually means pursue. Strike it out in your Bible if you want and write the word pursue. Chase. That's what the word means. Dog, run down, come after. Surely the goodness and mercy of God is going to follow, pursue, and run after me all the days of my life. Look at how this exact same word, it's a Hebrew word, radah. Look how it's used elsewhere, the exact same word in the Bible. Um, it's used in Exodus 14, 8. Same word, where the chariots of Pharaoh are, per, are pursuing the children of Israel across the Red Sea. You think they're just lollygagging in first gear? No, they're like, go get those little suckers. We're going to, you know, they're like, pursuing. That's the same word. Psalm 18, where David declares, I pursued my enemies and I overtook them. David wasn't out like, you know, he, he was going after them till they were consumed. That's the same word. Lamentations chapter 4, verse 19. Jeremiah cries out, our pursuers were swifter than vultures in the heavens and they chased us on the mountains until they got us. That word, that's the word. So goodness and mercy are not lazily sort of straggling along behind you. This is a car chase scene in a movie. You're driving along by, up on two corners around the corner. You know, you're like a rearview mirror. Are they still there? Are they still there? Yeah, they're there. Who is it? I can't tell. Looks like it might be goodness and mercy. That's what's happening in your life. They're following you all the days of your life. God is not some God who's not going to stick with you. God is not some God who's not going to follow you. He's not like some friend that you get a text from at the last second, oh, I'm not going to come. And you knew she was going to say it because she always does that. God's not like that. Goodness and His mercy are going to chase after you all the days of your life and pursue you. You know, our, our Arthur Colsty was telling about a scene he saw when he was over in Ireland. He was looking at this whole hillside of a huge flock, is it flock or herd of sheep, whatever, a bunch of them, and uh, this is just a little while ago, and uh, then he saw one of the sheep get spooked and jump a fence and start running, and instantly the shepherd was on it, ran over there, jumped the fence, called his dog, and they went after that sheep. He's like, he was worried about the shepherd. He was like sprinting through this field, jumping off rocks and running, trying to find, and disappeared out of sight. And then it was getting dark. He came back about 45 minutes later, carrying that sheep. And gently just lifted it over the fence and put it back where it belonged, brought it home. That's the picture. Psalm 23. The shepherd's going to pursue you with his strong arms of goodness and mercy until he finds you and brings you home. He's going to chase and pursue and stop at nothing until finally he says, gotcha, gotcha. Don't you remember how Jesus described God, the Father? 
Luke 15, he says he's like, a, he's like a shepherd who's got 9,900 sheep in the fold, but one of them gets away, and so he hops the fence, and he's out there springing around, looking around, and people are worried about him, but he will stop at nothing. And so he goes and finds, and finally, breathless, he catches that thing, gotcha, and he brings that sheep home, places him into the flock where he belongs. And he says, celebrate, everybody. I found my sheep. That's what, that's what gives God's heart a great lift. That's why Jesus would say in the Gospel of John, I am the good shepherd and I lay down my life for the sheep. I will stop at nothing. It's like Jesus is saying, my goodness and with my mercy, I want to pursue you and chase you all the days of your life. I, I, I'll, I'll keep ch- chasing and pursuing my precious sheep if it kills me. And it did, didn't it? It did kill him because there is no limit to the loving, pursuing heart of God through Jesus as your good shepherd who follows us when we get ourselves down some crooked path somewhere, get caught up in some thorn bushes of life where we don't belong, when we get strayed off and get lost, find ourselves in all kind of trouble. We find ourselves there and the good shepherd is there. And maybe some of you have experienced this in your life where you got yourself where you never should be or wanted to be and didn't know how you got there. But finally, the goodness and mercy of God, you felt the arms of Jesus just say, gotcha, let's go home. Some of us are running, aren't we? We're huffing and puffing and working hard in life and trying to just keep running. I talked to a guy after I welcomed him out in class not long ago and asked him what his story was. He says, oh, well, God and I, got, we got quite a story. I said, well, tell me about that. He says, well, there was a point several years ago where I, I just decided that God was a little confining for me. He was kind of cramping my style. I felt like he had me on a leash and I wanted to go where he didn't want me to go. So I just ran. So as near as I can tell, I've been running from God about 18 years now. Sometimes maybe that's the way you are too. You, you know, God's cramping your style and you're running. Run, Forrest, run. That's what we say. Another young woman told me she wasn't talking to God anymore. Turned away. As her mom died of a very yucky disease and she'd cried out to God to heal her mom through the whole thing and in her opinion, God just didn't answer. God turned away from her. She says, how can I turn toward a God that turns back on me? She's mad. She's hurting. She turned away. Maybe that's you too. Talked to another guy out here, the Commons, the other day. No, I asked a few weeks ago now. He said he's got some unanswered questions about Christianity. He doesn't know how to square it all up. And he says, what's, I said, so what are you doing about that? How can I help you think about that? He says, no, you know what? I've decided I'm just going to ignore God. It seems to be working for me pretty good right now. My life works fine. I don't really need God. I'm just ignoring him. That's working. Pretend he's not there. Whether you're running from God, turning from God, or just ignoring God, it doesn't matter. Here's the amazing deal. God's goodness and mercy are still there. You just look over your shoulder like, they're still here. They're right there. They're still there. God's not going to give up on you. He's going to hound you. Hoping at some point you'll just Turn enough that he'll say, gotcha, with his goodness and mercy.
take you home where you belong. I think of that old poem by Francis Thompson. Some of you old English majors know this one. Called The Hound of Heaven about his own life where he's running from God. I fled him, the poem says. I fled him down the nights and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinthian ways of my own mind. I fled him in the midst of tears and I hid from him from those strong feet that followed, followed after. There's a guy who knew that God is like the hound of heaven who like a bloodhound is released, turned loose by his love, chasing you at your heels. You're not going to get away from him. And if we're smart one day, we just stop, turn, and trust. As he says, gotcha. Let's go home. Will Williman tells about the crotchety old crusty man who lived in his small town. Everybody knew him as just kind of a mean, resentful, bitter old guy. A lot of them kind of figured his bitterness was justified. Um, his beloved wife died during childbirth to their only child, and then the only child died shortly thereafter from complications. He has reason to be bitter, they, they said. In his little town, he didn't care about God. He never went to church. He didn't really have anything to do with anybody. And then in his late 60s, he had a bad stroke and he wasn't doing well. They carried him out of his apartment over to the hospital and everybody knew he went there to die. Nobody visited him. He had no cards posted to his bulletin board, no flowers in his room. In fact, the nursing staff couldn't stand dealing with him because he was so fussy and cranky all the time, except when they couldn't avoid it. Except for one nurse. Actually, she wasn't a full nurse. She was a student nurse. Maybe she hadn't been to that part where they tell you to be a little detached and to protect yourself and to, you know, distance yourself from your patients. She didn't know any better, so she befriended the old man. It's been so long since he'd had friends, he didn't really know how to act around one. He'd just tell her, go away, leave me alone. She'd try to smile and try to coax him to eat his jello tuck him in at night, don't need anybody to help me, he'd growl back at her. But over time, he grew so weak, he couldn't resist her kindness anymore. Late at night, after all her duties were done, she'd get in that room and pull up a chair next to his bed and just talk to him as though he were important, just to be with him so he wouldn't be alone. few times she even sang to him as she'd stroke his gnarled hand, the one with feeling in it. He was too weak to growl. And one night as she was getting ready to say goodnight, tucked him in, kissed him on the forehead, he got a little tear formed in his eye. And for the first time in 40, maybe 50 years, that old guy looked up at her and he said, thank you. God bless you. She said, you're welcome. Turned out the light and left. But you know, there were still two figures in that room, standing by his bedside, bending down and whispering in his ear, gotcha. You know who they were, right? Goodness and mercy were there gotcha surely 
goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And then I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, which is what we all want. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, our good shepherd, for pursuing us when we're nasty to you, for chasing after us when we forget about you, for finding us whatever we get ourselves into, for relentlessly pursuing, Lord. Help us now to turn in faith and to trust and to be the sheep that just lets you grab us with your strong arms of goodness and mercy. Let us hear the words, gotcha. Place us into your flock, into your fold. Help us, Lord, to connect up with some others in groups, to draw near you through study, to be a sheep who loves and follows and serves you all the days of our life so that we might one day just dwell with you forever. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.